Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Y'all can give it up for Jesus. Make some noise. Y'all can hear me continue to praise God. I'm going to thank my wife for that intro. Dr. Angel Wendell. I'd also like to thank Pastor Dwayne and Lady Courtney for entrusting me with this message today while Pastor Dwayne is out in Uganda and he's delivering and ministering out there. And just want to thank them for allowing me to come up here today on this morning to bring y'all the word. So, and also I thank all you guys for coming out this morning too. I know you could have been somewhere else, but I'm glad to see KLM is here and our guest. If you're a guest, you can come anytime you want. Doors are open. If you're watching this online, you can watch anytime you want. I'll come through. We're glad to have you. We're happy to have you. This morning, I won't be too long because <clears throat> I know this is a busy day. And probably this is a busy week. I know this is a regular week. We got Valentine's coming up. So you may want to get booed up and have a lunch later on. And I know 6, 6.30, I'll get you out before kickoff, okay? I won't be long, but I do have a lot to say, so I'm going to get it to you. And so don't even fall asleep. If your neighbor falls asleep, give my elbow in the rib, don't wake up. So if you've been here the past couple of weeks, I noticed that since January, we've been speaking about, Pastor Dwayne been speaking about having about faith over and over. He's been drilling to us faith, 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 every sermon. And then two weeks ago, Lady Courtney, she delivered a message about faith, about Gideon's faith. And last week, Brother Kev delivered a, faith, a, a message about faith, talking about the confession of faith. So what do you think I'm going to talk about this morning? Faith. See, it's not rocket science. I'm going to talk about faith. And as I was studying and preparing for this, I was reading a couple articles, and I came across an article that I was like, what? it blew me up, it messed me up. And I'm not going to break it down word for word. I'll paraphrase it for you. In this particular article, it said that a lot of Christians are leaving the church. And they're leaving at drastic numbers, at big numbers. They're leaving the church, and they want to do it on their own. And they got all these different reasons, all these different excuses of why they're leaving the church. And I'm just looking at them like, okay. Some of these are, may, may seem legit, but I'm like, no. <clears throat> and it boiled down to one thing while they were leaving the church, which I thought, I said, oh, they must have either a lack of faith, no faith, or weak faith. And as I was reading all these excuses, it just, it bothered me. And then I finally realized how Darth Vader felt. <laughs> Watch where I'm going to go with this. Y'all wear Darth Vader? Star Wars? Darth Vader, like the baddest brother in the whole Star Wars universe. And there's a particular time where he, he was around the table with his commanders and his generals. And they were speaking about how to defeat the rebels. And there's coming up with all these battle plans. And Vader was telling them, we got to you know, defeat the rebels. So one of the guys was like, okay, we got the technology, we got the weaponry, we got the manpower. We should be good. But Vader said, oh, don't underestimate the power of the force. And one of his uh, other generals said, why are you still holding on to that religion, to that old uh, folklore faith, to that old way of doing stuff? No one does it anymore. If they would have done that, we would have been defeated the rebels. And Vader got upset. So as the dude was talking, he started choking him. Without even touching him, he was choking him. And then he said the coldest line, I this is one of the coldest lines he's ever said to somebody. He said, <clears throat> Your lack of faith is disturbing. And he told that to him while he was choking him out. <laughs> See, Vader knew, as bad as Darth Vader is, he still knew you needed faith. And he was applying his faith in that moment. So the question asked to us is, are we applying our faith? Not to choke anybody out, but are we just applying faith according to the scriptures? See, I think sometimes we get confused when we say faith. And because we always come up and say, everyone knows Hebrews 
Hebrews 11 and 1, I'm pretty sure you know that scripture. Everything I've been reading about it will be out of ESV. <clears throat> it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things seen, for by the people of old received the commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. That tells you what faith does. Faith, by definition, is a strong confidence or trust in God and his doctrine. Even the root uh, word of faith in Latin means, <clears throat> I trust. So being misinformed about the faith can mess you up and it can hinder your walk with Christ. And this is why some people are actually leaving the church because they got this, this false view of, of, of faith. And these misconceptions are just have people all over the place with bad expectations. So I just wanted to tell y'all today that there's some ways, the right ways to apply your faith, and there's wrong ways to apply your faith. And doing it the wrong way is going to have you with bad expectation, and it's going to hinder your walk. So I just want to encourage you this morning to use your faith correctly so it'll be more effective. Everybody with me? Yeah. Okay. So in order for me to do that, though, I'm going to have to drop some F-bombs. Not those F-bombs, not Def Comedy F-bombs. I'm talking about, I got to drop some F-bombs of faith. All right, so let's, let's, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. Thank you for your people that are here, ready to hear your word. I pray that their ears are open and their hearts are open to receive this message. Let your word speak through my voice. Give me the clear utterance and give me total recall so I can deliver your word to the people and let you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay? So let's talk about these F-bombs of faith. First of all, just uh, ask the neighbor next to you, how are you living? Go ahead. Ask them, how are you living? <laughs> Romans 1 and 17 tells us that the righteous shall live by faith. It says, for Romans um, yeah, 1 and 17 says, For in righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And I think that you can't be righteous without living by faith. And if you say you have faith, then you must be righteous. They work hand in hand. Problems occur, we try to separate them. I was talking to this fellow at my job, not this job, at a, at a previous job I had. Don't ask how we got into this conversation, because we at work, but we started talking about being in church and things of that nature. And he was, he was an older gentleman, but he was, he was giving me some real positive jewels. I'm not going to tell you the denomination of his church, because I don't need any nasty comments. But point, the point is, as we was talking, he said, there are some people at his church where they, they join the church and they pay their tithes and they think that they're right with God. I said, I said to him, I said, people believe that? Like, for real? He said, yeah. He said, but the only way to be right with God is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I said, yeah, that's right. But these people, they were, some people don't think like that. And I'm just going to let you know that your church membership does not guarantee you keys to heaven. The Jesus piece around your neck does not guarantee you have a halo over your head. See, this is, this is false faith. This, this is fraudulent faith. And this is a false sense of faith that will mess you up. So you can't claim Christianity is your faith if you never received Christ. Let me, let me show you something right here. Come with me to James 2 and 14. Baby, can you do me a favor? I left my, my visuals on the side of the bag. Thank you. Uh, let me read this to you. James 2 and 14. What, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warm and filled without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. See, you got to do something with it. You just can't say, well, I got faith I'm going to get a new job, 
and you never update your resume or fill an application or even network with someone who can get you a job. You can't say you have faith in losing weight if you never eat a salad, walk around the block, attempt to do a jump jack. Understand? And the same thing comes to, to your faith, to your spiritual life. Listen, it, this may... It may be controversial, but I'll say it. it's not just enough to, to believe in Jesus and think you're okay. Right. Right. Are you listening to me? Yes. Right. A lot of people believe in Jesus, but what does that mean? Right. Some people say, okay, I believe my faith is Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Do you really? Because Muslims believe in Jesus. Right. Buddhists believe in Jesus. Agnostics believe in Jesus. Historians and archaeologists believe in Jesus. A lot of people believe in Jesus. But what separates them believing in Jesus from the believer, us Christians from believing in him. We acted on our faith when we became born again. We received Christ and accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the faith part of it, that you have to work. So you don't work for your salvation, but you work out your salvation. And you work out your salvation because you have faith in God and you receive and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Does this make sense? Yes. Okay, so you got to act on it. You just can't sit on it. Here's the point I want to make. False faith forces fallacy and frustration. You will get disappointed and upset with God because of false faith. You got these false expectations or this false idea about it. And when these frustrations come, it could force you to say, I'm going to leave the church alone because this faith thing isn't working. Faith is working. It's just that you got a false idea about it and you're not applying it the right way. And this is what's confusing people and this is what has people going down the wrong path. So, we don't want any false faith. We don't want any fraudulent faith. If you find yourself in that position, you can fix it and correct it. There's no combination. But I just wanted to point that out to you. That's, that's one of the areas of faith that you need to stay away from. Are we all, all on the same page here? Okay. <clears throat> Listen to this. You also don't want to be involved with a, a, a fragmented faith. Fragmented faith is flip-floppy faith, sometimey faith. Chopped up faith, here and there faith, real fickle and sometimey. I'm not going to go too, too deep of a detail, but I knew an individual years ago who, who was in this situation. And make a very long story short, he said, yes, I believe in Jesus, but I don't need him in every area of my life, so to speak. In other words, it was like, I use him when I need him, and when I don't need him, I'll be on myself on my own. And that type of faith, I was like, at the time I was younger, I was like, it makes sense. But it stuck with me. And then later on in life, I started realizing that's flip-flopping. That's, that's sometime. That's him. That's fragmented. I got, some, I got some scriptures to prove that to you. Call me to Matthew 15 and 8. It's real brief. It says, this people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me. So you could talk the talk, but where's your heart at in it? Also, over in James 1, to, James 1 and 6 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. See? That's that flip-floppiness, that's that sometimeiness. Mm. And you're unstable. Some of my lives is unstable because our faith is unstable. Yeah. And this answers it right here. So just this led me to believe that just believing this fragmented faith is believing for God for this and not for that. Right. Trusting God for this, not trusting God for that. And some of us, we can trust God for everything. What comes to our spirituality, what comes to our marriage, what comes to our business children. We'll trust God for all of that. But then when it's time for the offering plate to come around, we don't trust God with our money. That's fragmented faith. So we don't want to do any of that. It's also an example of you can believe God for a house, but then you don't believe that he'll supply the mortgage payment for the house. Or you believe God for the job, but you don't believe God that you'll get promoted in the job. Or you can believe God for the schooling, but you don't believe God that you'll pass the test to finish schooling. See, all of this is fragmented faith. And I just want to let you know that you can't pick and choose when to have faith in God. Your faith is not a buffet. Okay? So 
This next point, your faith is not a buffet. Here's the next point. Fragmented faith fractures to true fulfillment. Things are unstable in your life because of this fickle faith. See, some of us will never see the breakthrough because we keep breaking up our faith. You keep, every time you're trying to come, think you're going to reach something, you break it up and it doesn't accomplish anything. And once again, it brings you back to being frustrated. You get mad with it and you say this faith thing is fake. No. Stop breaking up your faith. Stop being sometimey and wishy-washy with it. You still on the same page with it? Okay. Now, another type of faith that you want to stay away from and not get yourself caught up in is a fantasy faith. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is fantasy faith. And... <laughs> I got to say this right, because, you know, make sure we're on the same page. Pastor DeWayne told us a lot of time that taking a leap of faith is not scriptural, right? Not in the scriptures. Now, look, it's not there. Taking leaps of faith is not scriptural. And, and he made a, um, had a message a couple of weeks ago talking about depths of faith. Lady Courtney had a message talking about Gideon and his steps of faith. And this, this is so deep, I, I'm going to pick back up on that as well. Because this is, the leaps of faith, you have to get it out your mind. And I, I could prove it to you. By, t- by steps of faith, it's what we should be doing. Can I, can I demonstrate for you real quick? Can I show you the practical? Okay, this is why you should take steps of faith. Let's just suppose you're stuck on top of a building, on top of a roof. Uh, maybe the Eiffel Tower, the Sears Tower, Dubai Tower, Tower Pisa, Tower Records, wherever. You're on top of the tower, on top of the roof. And you want to get down to the ground. And you have all the faith in God to get you down on the ground nice and safe and unharmed. Okay? You got faith in that. So here you are on the ledge. God got faith that you get me to the ground nice and safe. And you take a leap of faith. And you splatter on the ground. You're dead. Headlines read. Man commits suicide. Right. We'll come to your funeral. You won't be in the casket. You'll still be on the spatula they use to pick you up with. Right. All because you want to take a leap of faith. Right. Now, let's take that same scenario and we'll take a step of faith. Get to the same situation where you got all the faith in God to get you down to the ground nice and safe. So you take a step. Whoa. No ground there. Oh, it's gravity taking over. Oh, I can't fly. And the and the, uh, God will come and tap you on your shoulder. The Holy Spirit will tap you on your shoulder, and the Holy Spirit will tell you, get a parachute. Use the stairs. Take the escalator. Get a ladder. Get a rope. Get a jetpack. What am I saying? The Holy Spirit will order your steps. He will give you instructions on what to do. He may tell you to climb down, but he will give you these instructions on how to get down. So, look, I got, I got some scripture for that, too. Call me over to Proverbs 16 and 9, where it says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord orders his step. Over in Psalm 37 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Nobody's leaping around and taking steps. <laughs> And I'm going to read this to you in Matthew 14 and 28. And I got to read this. Yeah, I got to. Matthew 14 and 28. Look at this. And as a um, matter of fact, start at verse 26. But Jesus wasn't the only one who walked on water. I remember Peter's story of Peter. He did it. Let's get to it. Okay. This is when they're out on the sea and there's a storm going on. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, this is talking about Jesus, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped worship him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. I got to pick this apart so y'all can see what I'm talking about, which is how you're not supposed to take these leaps. If you notice, when Peter said, Lord, if that's you, command me to come. And so Jesus said, come. And he says he got out of the boat. You see, he had to have faith in Jesus just to get out of the boat. Remember, they're on the water, and there's it's a storm going on. So if you don't really have faith that that's really Jesus, why don't you get out the boat? You had to have faith that was Jesus to get out the boat. But then he says, but then what happened is he walked on the water and came to Jesus. He walked. It means he took steps. It means he didn't leap. He didn't skip. He didn't bounce. He didn't hop. He walked. He took steps. And then if you look even further, it says he saw the wind and was afraid and started to sink. See, you could be walking in faith and life hits you. You get distracted. You can start to sink in it. You could be believing, believing God for your, your health or for your family or yeah. whatever it may be to get out of debt or whatever. Life hits you, you may start to stink. Yeah. But look what happens. He cried, Peter cries out, Lord, save me. When was the last time you cried out to the Lord to save you? Yeah. When you're in a situation. See, some of us will cry out to our gossiping friends, we'll cry out to the alcohol, we'll cry out to the weed, we'll even cry out to Facebook, we'll cry out to the radio stations. But when was the first time, last time you really cried out to God when you were in, tr when you were in trouble or something? This is what Peter did. And Jesus, look at this, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So in other words, Jesus calls you to do something and there's trouble in it. Don't, be, don't doubt or anything. But Jesus says, look, I got you. Why, why are you doubting? I got you. And he picked him up and brought him into the boat. And instead of being got into the boat, the wind ceased. See, that's how you get peace in the middle of the storm. That's cool. Now, all this wouldn't have happened had Peter just leaped into the water. He got instructions from, from Jesus, and he walked. He took steps towards Jesus. Is everybody with me with this? Okay. So, yeah, so Jesus, um, Jesus got you. As long as you're walking in faith, he got you. Let him order your steps. Okay, so leaps of faith, we're going to, and I get it, look. I understand leaps of faith people get excited about. That's what they, they get real excited and want to just go for it, but take steps, as the word says, to do so. Listen, what we got? Okay, so this is the next point I want to make. Fancy faith allows fads and follies to flourish. Fads and follies, yes, all these trends. Listen, I like, I like do it yourself books and I like self help books. That's okay. But when you start getting to this leap of faith, uh, lifestyle and everything, you could mess up, you mess yourself up and leap from one book to the next, one book to the next. And next thing you know, you've read 20 different books from 20 different authors with 20 different opinions, and you're more confused than ever. Right. I know because this kind of happened to me before because I was looking at all these nutritional stuff and health workout stuff, and everybody had all these different opinions. And this one said this one, this one said that one, this, that. And I'm like, you said eat this, and you said eat that, but you said not eat this, and you said to work out here and work. Whoa. Take some steps. Let God direct you to what book to read and things of that nature. Don't just jump from the next thing to the next. Amen. Don't jump from the next fad to the next. And when something happens is, sometimes even, I'll even say this. It can happen in your spiritual life. There are people who church hop. Oh, that church over there, they got all the lasers and lights. Let's go there. Oh, let's look at that church over there. They passed this real young. Let's go there. Or how about that church there? It's like 5,000 people to go there. Let's go there. And they start church hopping. I'm like, no. Let God direct you to what church you want to go to. Don't get caught up in the trends. This gossip messes you up in relationships. People jump from one relationship to the next, from one to the next. This is the one. No, this is the one. No, this is the one. And then 20 people later, inside of two months, you dated 20 people because you thought each one was the one. Let God direct your steps. Okay, so don't get caught up in that fad of just jumping from one thing to the next. And also, it can become a folly. How it become a folly? If it's unscriptural, it can lead to a mockery. You can have all the faith in the world to marry sister such and such, but sister such and such 
is married to brother so-and-so, it's not happening. So first of all, that's not scriptural for you to run another man's wife. And second of all, what are you going to do? You going to wait for this man to die to move in on his wife? And she still may not want you. So it's not scriptural, don't do it. And also, it could be, don't take things out of context. That can make a mockery of it. It's like saying, like you having a job and you quit the job and you're saying, my God shall supply all my needs. Yeah, he was, but you quit the job that he was supplying your needs with. So don't do that. That doesn't make sense. Don't quit a job unless God got something lined up for you. That's what I'm, does that make sense? Or even just saying something like, oh, I want to uh, be a heart surgeon. I want to perform open heart surgery because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes. But that doesn't mean you just go over, do open heart surgery if you never went to medical school. Matter of fact, you never even dissected a frog, but now you want to just cut people's hearts open. No, don't stop how it works. I'm not trying to diminish him on his dream. I'm just saying, like, take the proper steps for it. Go to school for it, things of that nature. So these are extreme examples, but this is how some people do the foolishness and the mockery of it. Take the right steps with it. Let's be all still together with this. Okay. So those are the type of faiths that you really don't want to be applying. And if you are, we can fix it, fix it this morning and change it up. Okay? So those will, those will lead you to some down a bad path and you'll be all messed up. However, there are some types of faith that you can exhibit throughout your life. And I'll start with this one. Some foreign faith. Foreign faith. Yeah, foreign. Foreign is something you don't quite understand, comprehend. Not native to your land. You really don't have a full grasp of it. It's, a, it's an experience you're not accustomed to. See, I don't speak Chinese. I don't write Chinese. I don't read Chinese. I don't know the, two, the true layout of the land of China, things of that nature. Only thing I really know about China is fireworks, kung fu movies, Great Wall of China, the Panda Express, and Wu-Tang Clan. That's all I know about China. Right? Just like Pastor Dwayne, Pastor Dwayne doesn't speak Ugandan, but he went to Uganda. I don't speak Chinese, so I'll, if God gave me a ticket to go to China, I'll go. What is this saying? I'm saying that even though you may not understand something, if God says, says so, as long as you got the faith in God, go ahead. This sort of happened to me. I got to give you the story because you got out of here this real quick. A couple years, not a couple years, some years ago, I'm not going to date myself, but a couple years ago, and I was unemployed, right? And I was getting unemployment checks. Yeah, this is before they got the, the card on unemployment. This is before direct deposit. You either, got, either had to go to the uh, unemployment line to, to get your check or get delivered to you. So I said, send it in the mail. So I'm not going to pick up my check at the spot. So I would get my check. For some reason, it would come every Wednesday. Well, not every Wednesday, but on Wednesdays, it would come. And this one particular week, my family was having a... Uh, I think a, a reunion or something down in Virginia, down south. And I, and we's going, we, me and my siblings and a couple of my cousins are all going to ride down together. Cool. They're going to go on a Friday. No problem. Wednesday came. I said, my check is coming. I looked in the mailbox. Check wasn't there. I said, oh. So I said, okay, maybe the mailman a little slow today. He'll come tomorrow. So Thursday came. Checked the mailbox. Nothing. Checked the next hour. Nothing. Checked the next hour. Oh, something in there. There's like some coupons or circuits or something. So I'm going through all that, like, what is it? It wasn't in this. Now I'm getting a little panicky, like, what's going on? So every hour on the hour, I'm checking that mailbox. Bone dry, empty. You know how you check the mailbox and you put your hand in there on the side to see if something might be there? I was doing that, true story, all the way to like 11, 12 o'clock at night. Nothing in there. So the next morning, I'm getting real panicky now because I'm like, wait a minute. I got a couple dollars in my pocket, but. Once I get some gas money, that's it. This is going to be a boring trip. I'm going to be stuck in the hotel room while they're out kicking it. Or I can't order room service. But anyway, so the next morning came, and they beat the horn. We're ready to go. And I'm walking out front, going towards the car. And let me remind you this. It's like 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning. It's still dark out. And as I'm going to the car, I'm like, oh, man. Holy Spirit said, go check the mailbox. And I say, I don't understand. I've been doing this all night. Nothing there. Go check the mailbox. Like, Holy Spirit, mailman don't come this early in the morning. Right. <laughs> Go check the mailbox. Right. Yeah, I'm like, it's not making sense. I don't understand. Okay, I'll check it. 
Went and checked the mailbox, and the check was in there. Don't ask me how it got there. But it was in there, and I was able to go and spend time with the family and have a nice time. All because I did something I didn't understand the Holy Spirit told me to do. Now, where's, where's he going with this? I'm going to show you where I'm going with this. I know y'all sitting there wondering. Come with me to, uh, follow me to Luke 5 and 4. You got to get this. You got to get this. I'll give you the backdrop. He's talking about the fishermen. I thought fishing all night. Listen to this. What this Jesus said. Get into one. I started three. Get into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put up a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch." And Simon answered, "Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets." And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they got and they came and filled the both boats, so they began, started, began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Let me break this down to you. Back to this part. Jesus told them to set their nets out into the deep for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and caught nothing. See, they were professional fishermen. This is how they paid the bills. This is how they put food on the table. No pun intended. But this is how they put food on the table. This is how they kept their lights on or their lanterns burning. They were professional fishermen at this time. So they were out all night trying to catch fish. And caught nothing. Here comes Jesus saying, put your nets back out there and bring them up. And he's like, wait a minute. I don't understand. Why would you tell me to do that? There's nothing there. I'm the professional at this. Why would you do But he had enough faith in Jesus to be like, okay, I'm going to believe you what you say. Put the nets down. And it got so much fish that the nets started breaking. And let me just, let me just say this real quick, okay? Side note. We all debating what, what Jesus looked like. I didn't know what Jesus looked like. Because between getting all this fish, so much fish, it was breaking the net and they had to put the fish on another boat. And between two fish and five loaves, feeding 5,000 people. One way or another, Jesus is going to get his fish fry on. I just want y'all to know that. Okay? We're going to get that going. So he did that. And once that happened, he, there was a stunt. like, wow, amazed. And look at the end of this. It said, and they brought the uh, boats to the land. They left everything and followed him. See, not only did they get a big haul that day, a big payday, so to speak, they became disciples of Jesus. And I'm here to let you know right now that, let me get this right. Okay, let you know right now that faith of a fisherman forecasts your future. You may not understand it right away, but Jesus knows what he's doing. Just make sure it's Jesus that's telling you to do it. Amen. Okay? So, I mean, we've all been teenagers before, right? We've all been teenagers. And, you know, you try to go out, and sometimes your parents say, be home by midnight. But you don't understand, like, be home by midnight. It doesn't make sense. The party don't start till 11. But sure enough, when midnight comes, <laughs> that's when all the ruckus starts, the fighting, the shooting, the stabbing, the robbing, yeah. all the shenanigans kick in, right? Yeah. Your parents... They're trying to help forecast your future. You should believe and have faith in them because they're trying to keep you away from the dangers. Right. So what I'm saying is when you have faith in Jesus, it can help your future. You don't know this. You may have been trying to apply for a job for so long, over and over and over again. Nothing's happening. Then Jesus say, go apply to that job again. I don't understand why you want me to do that because they don't. I did it like 20 times. No, go apply for that job again. Because you don't know that job could open up for you. Or it could be a situation, whether it be your business or whether it be with relationships or what have you. Go talk to that person again. Go, I tried to apologize. So go apologize again. Just make sure it's Jesus telling you that because you have no idea where he's taking you. Even in ministry, come to church. Like I've been coming to church all this time and nothing. Go again next week. Okay? You have to do it even though it may not make sense to you right away. It'll make sense later. You see, even if 
that even if you were already in your profession, you could be doing something, God could tell you to do it again. And you don't know what doors could be opening up for your future and for someone, uh, open up doors for somebody else just because you obey God when you didn't understand. But I just want to tell you, make sure it's God that's telling you that and make sure it's scriptural. Because anybody's trying to get some girl number after 20 times, you go try to do it again, that's called stalking. So do not do that. Make sure it's scriptural. Make sure it's in the scripture. That's your future will be in the penitentiary. So, so we all together on this, on this form of faith. Okay, I'm on. Let's continue on with this. Next one, you want to. You want some fervent faith, or some fanatical faith, fervent, passionate, intense, not letting go. You just, oh, you just overjoyed with this fervent faith. You just. Er, clutching on and holding on to it. Listen, I got to explain this to you when it comes to having fervent faith. This is powerful. Let me read this to you so I can break it down to you why we need fervent faith. Come with me right now to Luke 18 and 35. Okay. You get there, let me say amen because what are you doing? Well, I'll read it with you. Thank you. Let's talk about Jesus. No, y'all realize Jesus is going from town to town, city to city with his crew. Okay. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. A lot going on with this. I could probably spend an hour on this, but I won't. But let's, let's look at what happened here. It's a blind beggar. This is a time where the blind or the deaf or the disabled, they were like cast away from society. So this guy was on the side of the road by himself. Couldn't see. But he heard a commotion coming down, uh, um, noise, all this stuff going on. And he heard the crowd coming by. So he's like, what's going on? People from the crowd said, Oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, oh, Jesus is the son of David. You see, whenever you talk about God or Jesus, or when you're witnessing, you never know who's listening. This guy obviously knew who Jesus was because he had to, must have heard about him to know that, oh, he's the son of David and have mercy on him. So he actually happened to hear about Jesus. Don't know how, but somewhere along the line, he heard about Jesus. So don't ever underestimate when you're talking about Jesus that nobody's listening. Somebody's listening, right? Okay, so he cried out to Jesus, have mercy on him. And look at it. Those who were in front rebuked him. Basically, they was like, my man, step aside. You got Jesus coming through here. Just stay over there. But this guy, this blind guy, he must have been listening to Mary Mary at the time, saying, go get it, go get it, go get it, go get your blessing. Because he got louder and said, no, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He, over, he's, he made such a fuss that Jesus said, whoa, what's going on over there? So he got Jesus' attention. Sometimes we got to cry out to Jesus to get his attention because all this other stuff going on. So he got Jesus' attention and Jesus said, bring him to me. And when we got there, Jesus is like, okay, what can I do for you? So when, you, when Jesus says, come to me, what can I do for you? It's okay. You can make a request. I don't, don't need to be scared. Jesus, I'm here for you. What you need? Yeah. And someone recover my sight. Jesus said, okay, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. A lot was going on right there. His faith made him well. So he had faith that Jesus could recover his sight, but he had to act on it. Yeah. You see, he could just have faith Jesus could have recovered his sight, but if he would have stayed on the side of the road, nothing would have happened. But he had faith, and Jesus said, your faith has made you well. 
And I was, as I'm reading through all of this, I'm noticing Jesus says that a lot in the Bible. Your faith has made you well. I'm going to connect some dots here. Y'all remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Dwayne broke down the lady with the issue of blood? Yeah. And how Jesus made her well? And then last week, Brother Kev spoke about it as well. Okay, I'm not going to run through that whole scripture if I, I give you the ESPN highlight of it. But, because <clears throat> there's a couple points I want to make with this. Look at this. It's um, the woman who had the issue of blood. Okay, it was 12 years. She was bleeding. Also, with the little girl and uh, her father, the little girl, she was 12 years old and she was dying. Now, we don't know how long the beggar was out there, but he's out there for a minute. But look at the, look at the similarities here. The woman was isolated alone in the house because at that time, you had these conditions, you had to be alone. The little girl was isolated in the house because she was dying. The beggar was on the side of the road alone. But all three of them had faith. Even the little girl, see, this is parents, this is where you come in. Jairus had, had to intercede for his daughter. He had, to, he had to have enough faith for his daughter to get, uh, get to Jesus. So what am I saying? All three of these cases, even though you may be alone, as long as you have faith in Jesus, you can get to him. So you're never really alone. Yeah. You've got to have that faith. Yeah. And also, this where it gets real deep now. I know there's something else with all, all three of these situations. Each one of these situations, there was a crowd between the person and their blessing, which was Jesus. There's a crowd that was between them. Right. Like the woman, she had to get through the crowd just to touch his, him on his garment, right? right? And then when Jesus was going to the little girl, there was a crowd around making a commotion, probably singing, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. And Jesus was like, no, y'all got to get out the way. <laughs> And then even with the beggar, the crowd told him to be quiet. He's like, no, no. He had to make noise. Which, not, I thought about this too. I said, you know what? That's so true in, in the world. When people try to speak about Jesus, the world tries to silence them. Be quiet, be quiet. We got to speak up even louder. So in all three of these cases, the crowd could have discouraged them from, getting, uh, from touching Jesus, from acting on their faith. But because they had that fervent faith, it's like, no, I got to get to Jesus. Because of what? So I got to get through the crowd. I got to remove the crowd or yell over the crowd. I got to get to Jesus. That's that fervent faith you need to have. Are y'all with me on this? So listen to this. Mark this down. Foolish folk, family, friends, Facebook fans, and foes can flatline your faith. You get the wrong stuff in your ear, it'll kill your faith. And this isn't something that's new. It's been going on since the garden, right? Look at this. Adam and Eve was in, in faith with God's word. They believed in God's word, right? Then the enemy came along, made a one small suggestion, killed their faith in God's word, and they started believing the enemy's word. And that got them kicked out of the garden. Same thing is happening today. People in the world, they're... Um, uh, they know, they know the word, know the faith in the word. But what happens is they listen to the world, to the words, the world's word. Come on, words mixed up. Listen to the world's word, and it's killing their faith in God, but they believe the world's word. And it's getting them kicked out of the kingdom. Right. You see this? You gotta stay strong in his faith. Because fervent faith fuels favor. While fake faith foils faith. See, people are always asking, where's the favor in my life? Where's the favor at? Where's my favor at? No. Where's your faith at? You got the right faith and you get the favor. So some of us, and I see this a lot too, some people have faulty faith. Their faith is built on a fault line. As soon as life starts to shake and quake, they fall apart. So ask yourself this question. Do I have fragile faith or fortified faith? What's, uh, what's fragile faith, Brother Frank? Let me give you an example of fragile faith. And you know what? Yeah, y'all can send me back. I don't know. Comment on this how you want to comment, but it's true. Example of fragile faith simply be like you believe, in, you believe in the church, you're going to church all your life, 
We believe in it. And all of a sudden, a scandal happens in another church where another pastor, you don't even go to that church, never been there, but you hear about it on the news, on the tabloids, you hear about it on the internet, and now you start side-eyeing your own pastor and start looking at your own church like, see, that's why I don't go to church. And it's like, you want to let what happened over at that church you never attended affect the church you go to? Now, the, the bad stuff that happened at that church, okay, you can pray for them and make sure they get everything right, but how's that killing the faith in your church? How's that killing the faith in your pastor? Their pastor was involved in the scandal, not yours. What are we doing? And it's the same thing, like, you've believing in the tithe all your life. You got testimonies about the tithe. And one pastor from another church, you never attended, never gave him a dollar. This church is 3,000 miles away. He says something about the tithe. Now all of a sudden, people lose faith in the tithe. But they still play the lottery every week. Something wrong with that. And I got to get this out to you while I'm on it. Listen. See, this is, this is fragile faith here. Now, some people, now the world has an agenda to break your faith in biblical marriage. Because the world will say, oh, marriage? Oh, half of them end up in divorce anyway. And people are losing their faith in marriage. And the world will say, but these alternative marriages, or these new age marriages, they last forever. And people believe in that. See, there's breaking your faith from biblical marriage. Don't let them do that to you. Right. What we need, we got to have some strong faith, right? Fortify faith, strong faith, not the weak faith. Well, what's fortified strong faith? Let me give you a real example of that. A couple of weeks ago, well, maybe more than a couple of weeks, Minister Cleese spoke about uh, living in the digital Babylon. If you haven't heard it, go back and check it. He's speaking about living in the digital Babylon. And in this story, in, in his message, he's talking about three brothers. Shadrach, Meshach, and the Bad Negro. It's Black History Month. You'll be all right. We saw about Shadrach, Meshach, and the Bad Negro. And they were so strong in their faith in God, they wasn't going to bow down to bow. They were willing to get fried to a fricassee in the fiery furnace because they had so, so much strength and faith in their faith in God. And even though they were thrown into the furnace, it didn't get burned. That's some strong faith to them. Because God protected them. So that's the type of faith you and I need to exhibit. Had that real strong, fortified faith. But how do I get that faith, Brother Frank? Not that hard. Pastor Dwayne said it before. Feed your faith frequently. Mm-hmm. You get fortified faith and you do it by reading your word, prayer, come to church. And Brother Kevin last week spoke about uh, how you can confess the word and faith comes by hearing. There are times you got to read the Bible out loud to yourself. Right. You got to pray out loud to yourself. Even when you come to church, you hear the, the word, listen to the word throughout the week. And tell tes- spiritual testimonies. Sometimes as you're telling your testimony, you remind yourself what God did for you and how you came through certain things. You do all these things because faith comes by hand. So this, this type of faith you want to uh, exhibit in your life. It will become effective. And I'll never forget what First uh, John 5 and 4. You've spoken this before, Karen, too. You talk about how the um, faith overcomes the world. Right. See, faith overcomes the world, and the righteous shall live by faith. And I believe that some things you're not, we're not overcoming because we don't have, we're not using our faith the right way. We're not applying it the right way. So you want to overcome some things, apply your faith to it. But you got to have some foreign faith, some fervent faith, some fortified faith. Because yeah. if you're using false faith, fragmented faith, or this fantasy faith, you're not going to get the results you're looking for. You're going to get frustrated and going to say, I don't need that faith stuff. It doesn't work. No, yeah. you've just been informed wrong. So get into the word, listen to the word, pray about the word. You can get that fortified faith. You can apply your faith effectively and it'll help you in your life. Yeah. You with me? Yes. Makes sense to you? Yes. Bill Osteen, do you receive it? Yes. Okay. All right. Join me standing. I'll pray with you. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to give the word. And I pray that people receive this word. I pray they take it with them, take it with their lives. I pray they were blessed with this word. And you get the glory from this, Father yes. God.
Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Now, if there's anyone out here, we just spoke about acting on our faith, right? If anyone who wants to receive Christ, whatever your head bowed and eyes closed, if you want to receive Christ, you can raise your hand now. Even if you're wherever you are, wherever you're watching from, we'll pray with you. Okay? Let's pray together. Father God, Father God I, acknowledge I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I believe, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose on the third day. He ascended to Father with Father Heaven. And he's coming back again. And I acknowledge that I need Jesus. I receive him. And I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And I will follow Jesus for the rest of my life. Amen. Now, if you prayed that for the first time, you're born again, we're backslidden, you prayed that. Welcome back to the family. Angels in heaven are rejoicing. Give it up. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.